0: Um, we're going into Revelation 20, verse 11. Let's pray and ask for uh, the Holy Spirit to minister the truth of this word to our hearts and lives today. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you that you've given us your word. It's a light. um, It's wisdom. it's, It's Jesus. And so, Father, we pray that that's really what we'll see as we open the word in this passage today, that what we'll actually see is Jesus. He's the incarnate word of God. He's He's the word of God in human flesh. G- Lord, you wanted to talk to us, and you open your mouth, and there was Jesus. And so Jesus is what you want to say to us. So as we open this word, may we see Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. So we're in, in this uh, new series now called He Makes All Things New. It's It's the series that in this last section of Revelation chapter 19 through 22. And our title today in Revelation 20, verse 11 is I don't like fire and brimstone. How many people are with me? Okay, great. <laughs> I don't like it. Now, that's an honest title. I know fire and brimstone's in the Bible, but I don't like it. But since we go through the Bible verse by verse here, and this is where we are in today in our journey through scripture, that means this is what we're talking about today. Whether I like it or not, whether you like it or not. Um, you know, the one thing that I think can bless you about the way we approach the scripture is you can be confident that we're not trying to pander to you, okay? We're not just trying to tickle your ears, even though I would love to tickle your ears. Are your ears ticklish? I'll, I'll tickle them. No, no I'm kidding. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, every pastor wants to bless his people, or you're not a real pastor. I want to bless you guys. I don't don't want to say hard things to you guys. I want to say nice things to you guys, really. But am I really being a good pastor if I don't tell you the truth? Am I? No. And so it's a good discipline going through the Bible because it means we cannot ignore the hard stuff. As much as sometimes I would like to, we can't because it's what's next up. (laughs) The next thing up, hard stuff. Uh, there's a lot of good stuff. There's a lot of sweet stuff in the Bible. I love it when we get to that part. It's like, blesses my heart. Doesn't it bless your heart? We get to those sweet, sweet passages. Um, this passage is fire and brimstone. That's what it is. And, and we're just going to go right through it because that's where we are. But here's another way to look at it. The fact that that Judgment Day is coming is probably one of the most important things every human being needs to know. Wouldn't you agree with that? Nobody likes it. I don't think even God likes it. But it's coming, and we need to know about it. So let's see what it says about it in Revelation 20, verse 11. It says, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat on it. Who do you think is sitting on that great white throne? Jesus. That's a different picture of Jesus, isn't it? He doesn't look like um, you know, a half naked man bleeding hanging on a cross. He has a totally different look here sitting on this great white throne. I saw a great th- white throne and him who sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven "...fled away, and there was no place, and there was found no place for them." Wow. "...and I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books." Keep that thought about those books, because that's really important. They're, They're judged by their works, by the things written in the books. The sea gave up the dead which were in it. Death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one according to his works. So the first thing I wanna say about this passage is that we know that the people being judged in this passage are not Christians or believers of any kind, because we are told in verse 12, they're dead. And God does not consider believers in Jesus to be dead at all. In John 11, verse 25 and 26, Jesus told Martha, I am the resurrection and the life he who believes in me though he may die he shall live and whoever lives and believes in me shall never die if you believe in Jesus today as your personal Lord and Savior Jesus himself said that you will never die even though your body might die You yourself will not die, and God will never consider you to be dead if you are in Christ. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. Jesus, it says in 1 John chapter 5, Jesus is eternal life. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. If you have the Son, if you have Jesus, you have life. Eternal life is not something that... We hope we will get someday, but eternal life is something that when you get Jesus in you, you have eternal life because Jesus is eternal life. When you have Him, you're alive. The Bible says, before you had Him, you were dead in trespass and sin. That's all these people. It says they're dead. They're dead spiritually, they're dead in trespass and sin. That's why they're standing in front of the great white throne. That's the only people who are going to stand there is people who are already dead inside. They're dead inside. There are people walking around all over the planet today and they look like they're alive, but on the inside they're dead. But you who have Christ in you, because He is life, if He's in you, you're alive. If He's not in you, you're not alive. If He's in you, you're alive. So this is really important, what it's saying here. By the time we get to this point in the book of Revelation, Revelation 20, verse 11, by this time, the church and the other redeemed saints of God have already been reigning with Jesus for the past 1,000 years during what's called the millennium. We studied that last week, so if that's confusing, we have CDs in the sound booth. You can listen to it, and you can catch up on what it's explaining. It's the prior 10 verses explain all about that and we went through that last week. It's really cool. You go through scripture verse by verse, you learn all this cool stuff. Okay? So if you missed that and you're curious what I'm talking about, don't have time to talk about it today, but you can pick up the CD and learn all about it. And and so here's an analogy for you. Think of this great white throne judgment. All these people lined up because they have to go through the Great White Throne Judgment. And here you are a believer in Jesus. When it comes to Judgment Day, believing in Jesus is sort of like having a flash pass at Six Flags. You just go right past that big line of people at the Great White Throne Judgment because it doesn't apply to you anymore because you have Jesus. You skip the line at the Great White Throne and you just go right into glory, which is good news for you because The great white throne judgment is heaven or hell. That's what that is. It's heaven or hell. And it's based on your works. This is heavy duty, man. This is heavy duty. It's based on your works. That's what it's based on. How many people know you can't be saved by your works? You ever heard that in Sunday school? Can't be saved by your works? Ephesians two, verse eight and nine, says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So this could be confusing when you get to this passage in Revelation because you've been taught your whole life you can't be saved by your works, only by grace through faith, and yet here's a whole bunch of people being judged by their works. So how can they be judged by your works if you can't Be saved by your works. Exactly. How can you be? Why are you there at the great white throne judgment thinking that you're gonna get through based on your works? The Bible says you can't get through based on your works. Why are you there? Well, because everybody thinks they're a good person. I share my faith with people. I share about how Jesus died for them on the cross. They say, well, I don't need that because I'm a good person. That's the deception of most of the human race. They think they're gonna be okay. They think they can line up along with these billions of other people at the great white throne of judgment and they think that they're gonna be able to talk to God and they're gonna be, you know, they didn't ever kill anybody. They didn't steal very much. They didn't lie very much. They only did a little bit of recreational stuff that they shouldn't have done, but they did a lot of nice stuff to people. They were kind to puppy dogs and little kids. And it's gonna balance out in the end, they're sure of it. And besides God is love, they heard that from someone once, that God is love. And if God is love, he would surely never, never do something so mean as to send me to hell. This is the deception of the human race, guys. It is deep, dark deception. It does not work like that at all. And let me tell you something, that great white throne is so intimidating, it says the earth and the heavens flee away from him and no place is found for them. Nobody's going to go have a discussion with him. Everybody's going to melt into a puddle of their own loss of control in his presence with utter terror. The it, it, Bible says it is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. You've never seen anything like what it's going to be like in front of that great white throne. Because his eyes are flaming fire and his eyes pierce through the soul and see everything. Everything's laid bare before him. Nothing is hidden. And there are no excuses. There's no, there's no lawyer there, uh, you know, splitting hairs and trying to figure out a way out for anybody. It's a terrifying situation that every single one of these people is in before the great white throne judgment. So notice both verse 12 and 13 say these people we're judged according to their works that's bad news see not get not having to go through the great white throne judgment is good news but being judged by your works is bad news cuz as we just covered you can't get saved that way cuz what we're being saved from is the fact that we're all criminals in the high court of heaven we're all criminals in the high court of heaven That's what it means to be a sinner. Being a sinner means that you have committed crimes against God. See, God has his own laws. We have our laws, but God has his own laws, and guess what? He's God. So we don't get to argue with him about whether we think his laws are fair or not. He's in charge. He made everything. And to be a sinner means we have committed crimes against God. And most people don't realize it, but we are under 24 by seven surveillance all our life, from birth to death. And that is what is in these books that it's talking about. Every single second of your whole entire life is in these books. And this is a court of law that we're looking at in Revelation 20. And what they're deciding is, are you guilty of any crime? They're not checking to see if you did more good things than bad things. They're only checking to see did you do any bad things. If you didn't do any bad things, then you get in. But if you did anything bad, you don't get in. Just like if you go to a criminal court on earth. They don't care if you volunteered at the food bank. All they care about is did you do the crime. Doing a lot of good stuff doesn't change if you're guilty. And it'll be pretty easy to figure that out with 24 7 surveillance of your whole life. That's what happens in this court. That's what this court is doing. They're making that decision for every person in the line. Now, believers in Jesus never have to face heaven or hell judgment because Jesus already stood in your place and faced that judgment for you so you don't have to. And the good news is Jesus passed the grade. He never did any bad things at all. Jesus totally deserves to be saved based on his works. None of us can say that, but Jesus can say that. Based on his track record, based on his character and nature, and, and the reality of what he's going to do forever, which is love people and bless people and serve people. That's who he is. That's what he did on earth. That's what he's always going to do. And so when you choose to put your faith in Jesus instead of yourself, what you're really saying is... I know when they open my book at the Great White Throne Judgment, they will find bad stuff in it. I know that. When they open my book, I know they're going to find. Oh my goodness, how much bad stuff are they going to find? A lot. A lot. I don't even want to start, so I won't. But I know they'll, they're going to find it, no problem. They, won't even have, they can just turn to any random page and find it. <laughs> So if I get judged by what's in my books, I'm in big trouble. So, I, I, so when I put my faith in Jesus, what I'm saying is, Jesus, your books are clean. There's nothing bad in them. And you're willing to substitute your books for my books at the great white throne judgment? I want that deal. I want that deal, Jesus. I want your books instead of my books to be the ones they open when, when I'm up. I I like this deal where I don't even have to show up because you just go in my place. I like that deal, Jesus. I like it that I don't have to face this terrifying being on the great white throne that even the the earth and the heavens flee away from in terror. I don't want to have to stand there. Jesus says, you don't. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you that I don't have to stand there. So how does that work? How is that possible? The way it works is... I need to be inside of Jesus when Jesus stands before God and gets judged in my place. I need to be inside him. See, Jesus is accepted. So if I'm inside him, then I'll be accepted in him. And I'll be protected in him. Not because of who I am or what I've done, but because of who Jesus is and what Jesus did. Otherwise, your destiny will be determined by whatever they find in the books unless you're a believer in Jesus, in which case your book got covered by the blood of Jesus. That's, we're going uh, to celebrate that in a little while in the communion. Your book can be covered in the blood of Jesus instead of having all that stuff exposed. If, if you are a believer in Jesus, you look in your own books in eternity, you turn to a page where your sins were recorded, all you're going to find there is the blood of Jesus. But here's the alternative to that. Imagine for a minute, we have these two screens up here. Imagine for a minute that every thought that's gone through your mind for the past 24 hours is up on one of those screens, and we just scroll through and see every single thought that has gone through your mind in the past 24 hours. And everyone here can see everything you've been thinking. How would you feel about that? That's one day of your books being opened in heaven, one day. And by the way, everyone in creation is going to be a spectator when those books get open. So if if that idea makes you squirm a little, imagine if it was your whole life, every day since you were born. That's what's in the books. Jesus said, nothing will be hidden. Everything done in secret will be shouted from the rooftops. Unless it's covered in the blood. But people will say, no one's perfect. God's answer to that will be, Jesus is. If you trust in Jesus, they won't even open your books. You got covered when Jesus was judged. Instead of opening your books, they open his books. There's nothing in his books but good stuff, so you'll fly right through there. And they'll say, but I'm not Jesus. And God will say, I didn't ask you to be as good as Jesus. I just asked you to trust in him. But it was confusing. There were so many different churches and so many hypocrites. And God will say, I didn't ask you to believe in the churches or the hypocrites. I just asked you to believe in my son. Verse 14. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So death and Hades are places, but they're also people. There is an angel of death and there is an angel of Hades. These angels volunteered for this role to bring death and torment to sinners. Why did they do that? They did it because they hate God and people are made in the image of God. And God loves people. And so it was their chance to torment the people God loves who are made in His image. They take pleasure in tormenting people because they hate God. Now, sinners deserve what they're doing to us. But God never wanted to give sinners what they deserve. Did you know that about God? Sometimes we feel like that God is hovering over me. And when I do something wrong, he's going to get me. That's not God's heart at all. And he has no desire to give sinners what they deserve. That's why he sent Jesus to die in our place. He wouldn't have sent Jesus to die in your place if he wanted to give you what? you deserve. It's super easy for God to give people what they deserve. It was super hard to send Jesus to incarnate God in human flesh, live a perfect life, be humiliated and killed publicly by the people that he created and not destroy us all while we were doing it. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, that was the the greatest insult ever done to God was when we all banded together to kill his son. And yet God didn't move a finger to hurt us. Why? Because Jesus is the Lamb slain from before the foundations of the earth. Before He even made you, He knew you would need a Savior. And He was already committed to save you before He made anything. Before He made anything, He knew you were going to come into this world and you were going to need Jesus. And He loved you before you were ever made. He loved you, and he still loves you today. And Jesus is the one who loved you and laid down his life for you. He didn't do it reluctantly. He wasn't God's plan B. He was God's plan A. God was committed to you from the very beginning. He's committed to you today. He will always be committed to you on one condition, that you respond to the gracious gift of eternal life that he has given you in his son. There will come a day when it's too late. But that life is held out to you and me and everyone on this planet. That life is graciously held out to us all because God doesn't want to give you what you deserve. He desperately wants you to accept the offering that He's made for you in His Son and to be saved. That's why He hates death in Hades. and That's why they get a special mention here They get their own verse in the Bible documenting when they personally get thrown in the lake of fire. Lake of fire wasn't made for humans, by the way. It was made for the devil and his demons. And people who wind up in the lake of fire are there against God's will. 2 Peter 3, 9 says, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It's against his will for anyone to perish. 1 Timothy 2, verse 4 says, God desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. He wants everyone saved. Well, then why doesn't everyone get saved? If it's God's will for everyone to get saved, why doesn't everyone get saved? Because he will not overrule your decision. Even though he wants you to get saved, he will not force you to get saved. He's asking you to make a choice. And in Ezekiel 33, verse 11, God tells us he has no pleasure in the death of the wicked. See, you know, as human beings, sometimes we take pleasure. So I, I used to watch those old uh, Clint Eastwood movies and movies like that. And, you know, when he would go after the bad guy, he'd go, get him, man, kill him. They deserve to be strung up. That's not God's heart. I'm sitting there taking pleasure in the death of the wicked. And God says, I'm not like you, Steve. I don't do that. I don't take pleasure in the death of the wicked. I want the wicked to turn from his way and live. That's God's desire for us all. And so for these angels to take pleasure in the death and torment of the wicked. Even though we deserve it, it makes God mad. And by casting them into the lake of fire, God also shows that their services are no longer needed because in eternity there won't be death or Hades. And that means if you're a believer in Jesus, you don't have to worry in eternity. You might fall into sin again and be cast out of heaven or face death in Hades. God completely solved that whole problem through Jesus. Through faith in Jesus, you're born again by the Spirit of God. You now have a living spirit as a believer in Jesus, a living spirit. Remember I said earlier, you're either dead or alive based on whether you've trusted Jesus or not. Once you trust him, God gives you a living spirit and and your living spirit is alive because it's joined to the spirit of God. That's what it means when it says God comes into you. That's what it means when it says Jesus comes into you. What really happens is God makes your spirit alive by joining your spirit to God's spirit. And there's like this joined your spirit and God's spirit inside of you. Which is a crazy thing to think about, but it's true. You've been made one with God. I know that people, mystical people say we're all one with God. No, we're not. We're not all one with God. We're separated from God because of our sin and rebellion. But you can be one with God if you trust in Jesus. God will We used to be one with God, then we fell. And we died spiritually. Our our spirit got severed from God. That's what it means that you're dead spiritually. You still have a spirit, but it's severed from God. It's cut off from the life of the universe, which is God. God is the life of the universe. If you get cut off from God, you may not fall over dead that very instant, but it's inevitable that you are going to die because you cannot continue to be alive unless you're connected to God. And this is what happens when you're born again is God joins his spirit to you and you become one with God in your spirit man. G- you in Jesus and Jesus in you, it says in the Gospel of John. You in Jesus and Jesus in you and Jesus in the Father and the Father in Jesus and everyone in everyone. It's all together. It's all together. It's awesome. It's incredible. Sometimes I sit and meditate on it and then my brain explodes because I don't understand it but I just believe it's true because it says it in the Bible. Amen, are you with me? It's crazy stuff, but it's good stuff. It's good for your soul to just sit there and read this stuff and go, that's true. I don't understand it, but it's true. It's really cool. 2 Peter 1.4 says that through... This spiritual union with Jesus, you are now a partaker of the divine nature. That's another one I just sit and meditate on and go, what does that mean that you're exploding my brain, God? I become a partaker of the divine nature? See, God did a lot more than just forgive Christians. He injected his holy nature into our inner being. Wow. What's the implications of that? That means the only hold that sin still has on you, believer in Jesus, is through your corrupt flesh. Okay, you still have that, and that's why sometimes there's a conflict on the inside. You got the holy nature of God injected into a messed up bag of flesh. That's that's who you are right now. The holy nature of God injected into a messed up bag of flesh. And it's that bag of flesh where all the trouble comes in. And so we're told to walk in the Spirit and live by the Spirit instead of by the flesh, which is totally available for you to do because the divine nature's been injected into you by the Holy Spirit when you believed. And so you can live by the Spirit. And when a Christian doesn't live by the Spirit, which you can totally not live by the Spirit if that's what you decide to do, when a Christian doesn't live by the Spirit, that is a dysfunctional Christian. That is a messed up Christian. We will never validate people in that state, even though we know it's a possibility for a Christian to be in that state. It is not, it is not a, something to say, you're okay that way. You're not okay that way. Are we clear? It's a very sad situation. There's nothing sadder on planet Earth than a Christian filled with the divine nature of God but letting their messed up, dead flesh bag run their life and acting like they have no choice, which is a lie. When Jesus died on the cross for you, he set you free from death and hell and the power of sin to control your life. And as soon as you choose to believe that, you have freedom. Why live your life sad and frustrated and unbelieving? Just believe and start listening and responding to what the Spirit says instead of what your dead flesh says. I used to joke about this you know, your flesh says, Hey, I want a cheeseburger. And what do we say? Yes, sir. Would you like fries with that? Learn to fast in the spirit. Learn to, that you have the power to say no to that flat, dead flesh bag. It really is a dead flesh bag and it orders you around. And sometimes we're so deceived that we think we have to obey it. Right? You know what the real power of fasting is? In my opinion, this is my opinion, I've done a lot of fasting, guys, so I think my opinion has some validity on the subject. I think the real power of fasting is it simply teaches you that your flesh is dead and can't control you anymore. You get the revelation, and then you're free. You quit saying yes, sir, to your flesh when it says, I want this, I want that. I want to go look at that porn site. Of course you do. You're you're a dead flesh bag. Shut up. You understand? You learn that you just say, "Shut up!" You're a dead flesh bag. I'm listening to the Spirit. You get that revelation. So I encourage you guys. If you if you if you have never entered into fasting as a discipline in your life, I highly recommend it. Not you're not making brownie points with God when you're flesh when you when you fast. You're just you're just growing in revelation of the truth of the difference between the Spirit and the flesh, and learning that. You can say no to the flesh easy if you just focus on the Spirit and listen to Him instead. You got two voices? Just quit listening to that dead flesh bag and listen, listen to the Spirit. Okay? That's my little uh, coaching uh, moment today. Okay? <laughs> if you've never given your life to Jesus, you can do that today, guys. Ask Him to be your personal Lord and Savior. Give Him permission to transform your life and take control of your destiny from this day forward, and you will be born again, and the second death will have no power over you, and your name will be written in the book of life. Notice verse 15 says, anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. I want you to notice they're all there getting judged by their works, but how many fail that test if their name's not written in the book of life, which is faith in Christ. How many who don't have faith in Christ fail that test of their works? How many? 100%. Every single one, of, they're judging them by their works, but if their name's not written in the book of life, they get thrown in the lake of fire, even though it's a, it's a fair test. They're really being, they're really, their works are really being tested, but guess what? They all fail, 100% fail. Um, So I would strongly recommend that you not expect that you're going to be the exception to the 100% rule. That's a really low odds bet with terrible consequences if you're wrong. The way your name gets in the book of life is through being born again. This chapter doesn't contradict anything in the rest of the Bible about saved by grace through faith. People in the great white throne judgment are being judged according to their works. Everyone has the right to be judged according to their own works. All you have to do is reject Jesus, and then you get to be tested by your own works. But if you give yourself to Jesus and surrender to him as your Lord and Savior, then his works will be yours, and you'll be judged according to his works. I want that deal. If you don't want to be judged according to the works of Jesus, you can simply reject him, and then they'll open your books. You'll be judged according to what they find in your books. We already know the outcome. Scripture says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It's crazy to reject Jesus because we all fall short of God's glory. So the only way in is if God gives us his glory. And the only way God gives his glory is through faith in Jesus, which involves humility and repentance and surrender. And a sweet surrender. I talk about surrender, but I always wanna make the point, it's sweet surrender because he loves you and he's wise and he's powerful, and he's good, and he deserves to be in charge because he made you, and he died for you. But it's still surrender. No matter how much we sugarcoat it, at the end of the day, it's still surrender, and you're not getting in without surrender. So that's just something you got to cross. They say, you know, the Bible says the, the cross of Jesus is the stumbling block because the cross says there's death. I've got to die to my own self-will. I've got to die to my desire to be God. If I want in, I've got to let him be God over me personally and quit trying to be the boss of my life. I've got to surrender to him as the boss of my life. He's rightfully the boss of my life. But I've got to come to that place of realizing that he's rightfully the boss of my life and I want him to be the boss of my life. When you do that, he comes in and changes everything. He cleans you up. He changes your desires. He changes your goals. He changes your perspective. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17 it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And so now we're going to celebrate what Jesus did for us on the cross to make this all possible with something called Communion. So we're going to pray in a minute. And there'll be some worship music. Invite our worship team to come on up right now. And we've got some brothers that are going to come up here and they're going to serve these cups that are in these platters here. They're going to serve these cups to everyone. It's two cups stacked together. The bottom one has a little piece of bread, the top one has some juice in it. Please hold your cup till everyone's been served. We'll all celebrate together. And we have an open communion, meaning everyone is invited to celebrate with us because it is an open door to faith in Jesus. And this is a picture of Jesus. So we don't close that door. We don't say, well, you can't be part of it because you don't meet our criteria. The only criteria Jesus asked is admit you're a sinner and you need him and you want him, and then you're welcome. So he said, whoever thirsts for the living water, come and drink. That's what Jesus said. And so that's what we say. If you're thirsty for the living water of Jesus, come and drink. You don't literally come up here to the stage because we're going to come to you. But you get what I mean, right? So you heard what we said today about what Jesus did for you by dying in your place on the cross. If you want in on that, we invite you to celebrate with us. If you have never given your life to Jesus, you can actually do that through taking communion with us right now because that's what really what communion is. Together, we're all saying, Jesus, I'm yours. So even if you've never done anything like this before, just take this with us. And as you take it, just in your heart, just say, Jesus, I'm yours. That's all you got to do, man. It's that easy. It's not, this is not hard because Jesus did the hard stuff. And if you give yourself to him, he'll start doing the hard stuff in your heart. He'll start doing the hard stuff in your life. He will take you down an incredible road. I could tell you so many stories, but the service is almost over, so I can't tell you any of them. But it's, it's supernatural, it's miraculous, and it's available to every human being. He's poured out His Holy Spirit on all flesh. That means you. The power of God can be resident in your heart and life. And your life can become an adventure where you're being led supernaturally by the invisible God into coincidence after coincidence after coincidence. Like stories you've read in books can be your life. I'm going to write a book someday. I just don't have time because I'm too busy doing ministry. You know what I'm saying? But so could you. If you give your heart to Jesus, you can write a book too. We can all write a book. Because every single one of us has got stuff that's so amazing it's worth writing a book about. Okay? And That's what God's inviting you into, guys. If you haven't said yes yet, today's the day. Say yes today. Together, what we're saying is, Jesus, I'm yours. Cover my sins with your blood. Substitute your works in place of mine. Rule over my life from now on. I'll make me a new creation. So the bread we're about to eat represents his life given for you when he died on the cross for your sins. When you eat the bread, you're saying, thank you, Jesus, for dying in my place. I want your love, life to substitute for my life. The juice we drink represents his lifeblood that poured out on the ground when he died on the cross in your place. The blood that God promised is enough to remove all your sins. So when we drink it, we're saying thank you, Jesus, for the promise that your blood is enough. I want your blood to cleanse me from all my sins. We're We're just saying, God, I want it. I want in. I want the deal you're offering to the human race. I want to be part of that. I want the flash pass so I don't have to go to that great white throne judgment. I want that, Jesus. I want the amazing life that you're offering to all your kids. I want the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the supernatural lifestyle. I want you to start speaking prophetically to me and telling me the future before it happens and tell me to turn right instead of left and then me discovering what you're going to do because I've obeyed you by faith. You understand what I'm saying? I want that if you've been sinning against God this past while and your heart's troubled right now, the communion is not here to condemn you or close the door to you. It's here to remind you the sin problem is solved. Jesus solved it by dying on the cross for you and rising from the dead. And so don't stand back from the communion right now because of sin. We cannot clean ourselves up. That is why we need Jesus. So while we worship right now, just take this time to talk to Jesus. Repent of what you've done. Thank him. His blood is enough. And he's the one who cleans us up. He's the one who cleans you up. Thank him for loving you. Thank him for cleansing you. And celebrate with us. Because we all need Jesus. We all need him. We all need what he's done for us. And that's what communion means. So let's pray. And let's celebrate together. Father, we thank you for your son who died in our place, did what we couldn't do and is ready to keep on doing what we can't do in and through us by the power of the Holy Spirit. We glorify you, God, for your great love and mercy and kindness to us. Thank you for shining light right now in this place. Lord, as we're in your presence right now, you're a shining light so we can know the truth and obey by faith the call to eternal life. And we say yes to you, Jesus. Bless our celebration of the gift that Jesus gave us on the cross when he loved us and laid down his life for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus, we're so grateful for your mercy, so grateful for your kindness right now, for your presence here with us right now. We acknowledge that you're doing a work right now. Your life in us, so beautiful. So, Lord, as we take this bread right now, Represents a spiritual reality of your life in us that we're so grateful for. We sing to you. We pray to you. We declare your, your goodness, your kindness, the open invitation. Just as it's so easy to just take this and eat it, it's that easy to enter into you. We just confess out loud, Jesus is Lord. I want to ask you to just say that out loud right now. Jesus, Jesus. is Lord. You're my Lord, Jesus. Rule over me. Amen. Let's partake together. And when Jesus took the, the 12 apostles through the first celebration of what we're about to do, he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. And covenant's a promise. And the promise is this blood does the job. That's the promise. So every time we drink it, we're just thanking Him for the promise. See, you don't have to live your life in fear, you don't have to live your life in anxiety spiritually about what God's attitude is toward you. If you said yes to Jesus, He made a promise. His, the blood that he poured out at Calvary is all you need. You don't need to add anything to it. It's Jesus plus nothing. It's Jesus plus nothing. So we're drinking this. We're saying, thanks for that promise. Let's drink together. Thanks for that promise, Jesus. I'm going to ask you to stand up. Just got uh, one more thing I want to say to you as we're closing. God doesn't want you or anyone you know in the lake of fire, but it's coming. Jesus spoke more about hell than he did about heaven, and the reason is he doesn't want people to go there, and neither do we. And for those who know the Lord, we have comfort knowing we won't face the great white throne judgment, but we have sorrow for everyone who is still facing that. And so we'll close with an invitation for you to come and surrender your life to Jesus if you've, if you've never done that. We'll also close with a prayer for friends and loved ones who aren't here for salvation. And so I'm going to pray, and I just, I'm not asking you to do anything outrageous, but if there's someone you're thinking of in your heart right now that you want the Lord to save, just as we pray, just raise your hand. It's for, it's for God to see. God knows what's in your heart. Raise your hand to the Lord, and I'm going to pray for God... To do a miraculous work in their lives father we thank you for your beautiful wonderful grace in jesus and want you to just look at all the hands that are raised and all the hearts that are lifted up to you right now lord and we pray for every one of these beloved who are in the hearts of your people right now as we pray we pray you'll move miraculously lord to reveal the beauty of your son to those hearts that they would trust him and surrender to him with saving faith, Lord, that they would come to full trusting faith and surrender to Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior and be born again. We pray, Lord, for every one of these, Lord, take away blindness, help them to see, and help them to believe that they would be saved, which is your desire for all men. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Have a blessed Mother's Day.